0: Hello everybody, thanks for joining us. Today, I'm gonna to introduce you to a new pharmaceutical waste product that is on the market. My guest is Mark McDonald, the CEO of RX Destruct. Welcome, Mark.
1: Thank you, Terry. I appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. I'm gonna ask you to tell us about your product, but first, I wanna be sure our listeners know about the statement that came out from the EPA in, I think it was the third quarter of 2020, most of you, many of you, were knee-deep in the COVID surges, so it might have been easy to miss. The EPA banned sewering of controlled substances under the Federal Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, RICRA. We have known for a while that the DEA requirement is that controlled substances need to be rendered irretrievable, which, by the way, the DEA does not consider sewering irretrievable. I'm not sure I quite get that, but it's uh, a non-issue now. So we do need to find ways for those of you that were sewering something that is different. Uh, so Mark, I want you to tell us about your product. I saw on your website that RX Destruct is listed as fast, safe, and efficient. So let's start with fast. What makes it fast?
1: Well, what makes it fast is one of the goals that we set out to do was to make sure that the people who were generating this waste and were responsible for disposing of it properly did not have to do anything extra. Uh, I learned many, many years ago that the one thing that you do not want to do with the nursing staff is make them stay on their feet another minute of time because they're on their feet all day long or introduce something new that takes them away from the care for patients. Right. So when I say fast, all they do is place the waste pharmaceuticals in the top of the unit and they are finished.
0: Okay. All right. One just easy because some of the other products
1: you're required to categorize do. the medica- medications, which bucket is it supposed to go into, uh, how do I place it, uh, you know, a variety of different things that become. Typical logistical nightmares um, because they have to be followed through the process of getting them out of the building, if you will.
0: Okay. Okay. And shake, I think sometimes on some of them you're supposed to shake it right. a little bit, maybe.
1: Yeah. Right. Worry about the gas that may be generated. If you read the label on there, they say, you know, if the bottle's bloated, don't open it up because it could spray out mm-hmm. and you know, things like that, to your point.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Safe. Is Rx Destruct safer than other options?
1: Well, we believe it is. Um, We have uh, what we refer to as a torture path. Some people call it a labyrinth, if you will, on the top of the unit, which does not allow for any type of a straw or any other siphon device to be put in to pull out the liquid that's in the influent, what we call the influent tank, or that's the receiving tank prior to it being processed. Um, There are many stories out there. I'm sure uh, you've heard of... People poking holes in the bottom of uh, Sharps containers to get the liquid that was improperly stored in there. Uh, taking the diaper, if you will, that's in the bottom of some of the products out there that are called cartridges. It's just an absorbent diaper, if you will, in the bottom encased in a plastic thing housed in a, in a unit. Um, you can't get our stuff. And uh, it's processed on a regular basis and takes less than 20 minutes for the complete process to take place. Um, we can handle uh, one liter at a time and while that liter is being processed, more uh, effluent uh, waste, par- pharmaceutical waste can be put into the top of the unit. So it, it has pretty large volume it, it can handle. A good example is a labor and delivery department where they do a lot of epidurals and they discontinue that epidural once the a patient goes into labor, and many times you're looking at, uh, typically they attach a 250-milliliter bag of fentanyl. In that case, there's a lot of waste that's left over, and we've been very successful at displacing uh, the competition there because of the fact that <clears throat> it can't be retrieved, and secondly, it's completely uh, completely destroyed, and we can handle quite a bit of it without having to call pharmacy to trade out the, the cassettes or the bottles, et cetera.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Great. And
0: that brings us to the third, efficient.
1: So the efficiency is kind of dovetails into one of the questions that uh, mm-hmm. you might be asking, which is what happens to the waste? Um, it's probably appropriate at some point in time to discuss the science that's behind it. Uh, it's proven uh, we have had it tested in a variety of different laboratories, including one of only two DEA, EPA, and FDA-certified laboratories. What does that mean, certified? These are actually laboratories that those organizations depend upon to do uh, research for them and uh, prove that whatever claim is being made is is valid. Um, We destroy the drug molecule at at the molecular level. We literally tear it apart with with a uh, process that robs electrons between the carbon-to-carbon and carbon-to-hydrogen, et cetera, whatever other atoms are in that particular molecule, and break it down to its constituent parts. And we have papers from that uh, DEA organization, uh, as well as other independent laboratories, and a peer-reviewed paper in Hospital Pharmacy about this uh, being a novel product out there for handling pharmaceutical waste, that show that what is left over is typically in the amounts, in the parts per billion that you would get taking it to a high temperature incinerator. So to finish up on that, the waste is perfectly safe to go down the sewer because what you have left is mostly carbon. As as we all know, uh, all pharmaceuticals are organics and mostly what's left over is the carbon, which is the main component of, of any organic compound, along with only trace amounts of whatever other atom that might be in it sulfur or whatever. So it's, it's perfectly safe to go down the, the drain and has been tested as such.
0: Okay. So is that the recommended when the container is full? Is that what your company recommends is that
1: it's then sewered? So there's two form factors. Um, there is a mobile version where there is a container that will fill up uh, being processed. It's housed in the bottom of a unit behind a locked door. Um, not that that part of it needs to be locked because it's inert, but um, once it has had enough cycles, there is an indicator on the unit that tells you that it's time to dump that out and you just remove the container and dump it into the sink or, or wherever else. The countertop version of the unit that we put into PACUs or up on a nursing unit uh, is plumbed directly into the sink. Oh. And when I say that all the nurse has to do is put put the put the pharmaceutical waste in the top of the unit and they're finished, I, I meant it. it. That's over with. Once it gets to a certain level for processing or we can have it set up and or we can have it set up to where it just automatically processes on a time frame, um, it just... G- jumps it from that uh, receiving influent tank down into the mixing tank the chemical reaction takes place destroys the drug and then it's flushed immediately automatically down the drain oh
0: okay now to make this chemical process happen are you adding things like do does the client need to add stuff to the the tank to make it do its
1: job or very good question. So internally, in the in the unit, we have two reagents. Uh, they're very common, very inexpensive, but our business model is, is an all-in service. It, cl- it includes the uh, instrument itself as well as, as however many reagents you need to use. Those are automatically pumped in. There are level sensors inside the tank that once it gets up to a processing level or a certain amount of time has taken place and it does an auto pros- process, Those are added in the mixing tank. The reason we call it the mixing tank is uh, those are added in there, and uh, there's a process where that occurs uh, twice to ensure that the molecules of of pharmaceutical are completely destroyed, mixes it thoroughly to make sure there's maximum exposure. It's a process that we developed uh, utilizing the engineers, our outside engineers, working with... um, uh, the uh, laboratory located at uh, Campbell University up in Buise Creek, uh, Pharmacy Education and Research Center. they've got this wonderful laboratory there with a great master uh, uh, masters in uh, organic chemistry, Paul Johnson who works there, and perfected this technique and obviously used their HPLCs and his, his mass spectrometer to prove that we are destroying these drugs at that level.
0: Okay, so I'm still for maybe it's a silly question. Is it do we need to refill the container with something to make it do its work or is it just a whole chemical process of something that doesn't need to be refilled?
1: About on a monthly and maybe six month or six, six week basis, excuse me. Um, the reagents need to be replaced. There's an okay. LED screen on the front of the unit as well as an LED light that uh, indicates different colors, but the screen itself will indicate that the reagents need to be replaced. It's a fairly simple process. They both come in in 150-milliliter uh, uh, bags where they're fully self-contained. There's two peristaltic pumps in the unit where they are connected to the mixing tank by lure, lure locks. And it's a process that takes about five minutes to, to okay. replace. And, okay. can be either done by us or uh, can be uh, turned over to somebody like in biomed or to a pharmacy tech or whoever.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. So either the, the facility can do it themselves or you guys will provide the service to, to come in and, Correct. and do it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, does this work? Pretty cool, by the way, that it just goes... Down the sewer automatically. That's really nice. Um, does this work with solids as well as liquids?
1: In a limited basis. Obviously, capsules, uh, gelatins, those types of things. Certainly not suppositories, as one installation tried to do, um, are not going to be are not going to be processed.
0: Did it clog and, it up?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> How the they opposite. got it down there is, is a question in the first place. But uh, anyway, uh, those are the stories you get, obviously when you when you put these things out uh, out in uh, the real world out there. Yes, yes. Um, a limited number of pills. Uh, you know, examples would be you know warfarin. Uh, you know, stick with stick with pills that can actually be dissolved because there is water inside of the receiving tank, which will allow it to. Uh, dissolve prior to processing up there. But the system really wasn't meant to handle large uh, volumes of, of oral solids. Um, to be able to handle all oral solids, we'd have to have another form factor where you've got something like a macerator uh, pump on there that, that that grinds it up and you know a, a, a settlement table that receives the binders and everything else that goes along with those kinds of drugs. And we're 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 not at that stage. Our focus is on uh, liquid medications, dangerous liquid medications, uh, and when I say dangerous, I'm talking about the ones that can be diverted out there, including propofol, which obviously is not a scheduled med, but many treat it as a scheduled medication.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. You mentioned warfarin specifically, which is a RICRA, right? Are some facilities using it for their controlled substance and? The stuff that's supposed to go down into a ricra, so they can eliminate the the ricra bin?
1: Yes, they are, and okay. we have uh, ricra and epinephrine, and you know some of the other ricra drugs out there. Um, one of the papers, one of the laboratories that we did uh, fairly extensive research in was the uh, Pharmacological Research Laboratory at MD Anderson Cancer Center here in Houston. I'm in I'm in a suburb of Houston where we not only tested uh, synthetic uh, as well as natural opioids, we did Dilaudid and fentanyl, but we also, uh, they wanted to do this. I I was a little uh, scared, if you will, uh, of testing uh, uh, anti neoplastics cancer treatment drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, But they decided to allow us... To test four different, very structurally different. I worked with a PhD in uh, in pharmacy in that laboratory, um, and we were able to, to destroy those uh, down at the same level we were everything else. As a matter of fact, he was amazed because he had serious doubts about whether or not it would it would do what we expected it to do. Um, so uh, we are we are not installed out where people are are destroying. Uh, cancer drugs, but we have tested things. You know, I said epinephrine, I said warfarin, mitomycin is another one uh, heavily used in uh, surgery centers, uh, uh, eye surgery, ophthalmology surgery centers, and and that type of thing. So the short answer is yes.
0: Yeah, so is it to the point where it's officially approved for
1: those hazardous
0: ones that usually you put in your yellow or your, or your bulk black bin? Um, can people use that for it and be, I guess, you know, be following the regulations in terms of wasting those anti-neoplastics, or is this just something kind of in the testing phase that needs some approval?
1: Well, there, there is literature out there on the EPA about treatment in container, which is basically what we are doing is treating it in the container. And, you know, not to get into the weeds of the EPA, but most of the as you well know, since it was done back in 1976 and really hasn't been revisited since, which is amazing. um, Most of that is aimed towards industrial applications out there where you're not dealing with the finite amounts that healthcare does. Um, You're typically talking about, you know, gallons, hundreds of gallons, liters, whatever uh In industrial applications out there where whereas here in the healthcare side of things we're dealing with pretty discrete amounts and literally using a very very large hammer on those discrete amounts mm-hmm. to make sure that they're completely destroyed so um as far as taking this to the e p a and having them test it we have not we have not attempted to do that
0: okay okay all right yeah the waste the whole waste thing is. Gets a little crazy with this bucket and this bucket and this bucket. (laughs) And
1: there's that fast again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine that hospitals could use this for anything. I've seen a lot of chatter lately on the forums with diversion for non-controlled substances as people are just, you know, throwing it into the big waste bucket and then others are retrieving it out of there because it's still in the container. Now, of course, that's extra work to have to pull it up and then to squirt it when you can normally just literally throw the entire package in the bucket. But I suppose this could be used for those types of things as well, if an institution wanted to.
1: Correct. Um, again, the process, uh, you know, there, there are a few drugs out there. Uh, one that comes to mind is arsenic trioxide, which we would never recommend. It's already oxidized because basically what we're doing with our process is oxidizing these these uh, molecules. I mean, it's a form of kind of controlled incineration, chemical incineration, if you will. Um, and if it's already an oxidized molecule, we aren't going to be able to do anything with it. But um, you know, there's there's a, a very very few outliers like that that are out there. But as far as most of the other pharmaceuticals go. Um, that was one of the reasons why when we tested it in the MD, MD Anderson Laboratory, they picked the different, the four different uh, uh, molecules because the structure was very different in, in, in each. Some were benzene ring uh, in their orientation with different different things about that, yeah. and some were lim- linear like a uh, they, you know, a, a chain molecule, if you will. Um, uh, obviously, with different different atoms attached. topocyte I believe, has uh, potassium uh, uh, in it and, and, and some other that are kind of unusual uh, uh, atoms for that type of molecule. Uh, but again, uh, very efficient at tearing them completely apart and leaving nothing really of harm for the environment.
0: Okay. Have you had any discussions with there's I, at least one company that I know and, and probably maybe, maybe another one that they, they can assay the waste. So to kind of piggyback on to, you know, going through their machine and then down into your machine to make your machine, the receptacle for the waste, but starting first with theirs for the assay. Have there been any discussions like that with, uh,
1: Farm ID? yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know Scott, uh, fairly well. And, uh, both he and I, uh, have had conversations on and off okay. during this wonderful pandemic, which is just a, uh, a real joy to try and get a company off the ground when you can. not Yes.
0: Even, uh, yeah. Not uh, very good yeah. timing.
1: <laughs> um, so, um, it's my understanding as a matter of fact, I probably owe him a, a, a call to see how it's going.
0: I'm glad I could
1: remind you. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's having a, uh, uh, an introduction. He partnered with uh, BD, I believe, and uh, they've just added it to the product line, I think, the first of the year or whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to find out uh, what kind of, of uh, uh, reception he's getting out there and, and traction. But to your point, one of the reasons why uh, we got together in the first place was we were at an ASHP out in Orange County and at Anaheim. And Uh, He came by and he saw what we were doing and he immediately recognized the fact that, yeah, I identified this drug and the amount and the waste and everything, but it's still active after I drop it down either onto a diaper or into some charcoal or whatever. Um, Which, by the way, a lot of that stuff ends up in our landfill, you know, and the overburden pressure allows that to be able to leak out into the environment. So there's a, a huge environmental impact out there, but... You know, the unfortunate thing about a lot of healthcare right now is, um, you know, they have to look at cost bottom line first and foremost, and those kinds of things kind of get pushed, pushed to the side, but it's a real problem because it's cumulative. But Mm -hmm. anyway, that's how I knew about Farm ID. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. All right. Um, Speaking of cost, is your, is this a product that um, will save? I mean, it saves labor. You don't. Well, you don't have to do the pickup cost and the um, that type of thing. Does it also save um, costs? Is it is it going to be less expensive than than some of those other products out there in the market? Is that your goal as well too, or is it just to the focus on the irretrievable and the efficiency of that?
1: No, it's a it's a great question. Um, it's it's definitely. Cost effective in larger volumes, er, larger volume areas. As an example, PACUs, um, whether they're they're disposing of uh, the opioids, only opioids in it, or they're also in surgery centers, in some cases in hospitals, they're also bringing the leftover propofol that's being used in procedures and having it processed through there. When you're talking about these kinds of volumes, um, I won't say a specific company but uh, I know that on GPO contract each cassettes somewhere in the range of just under60 dollars and uh, probably holds about as much as one of our process cycles does so you can get an idea that we're going to be far more efficient if they're going through those types of cassettes you know once a week you know twice a week or, or whatever yeah sure. um, you know, if they have a giant jug there that they just keep pouring this stuff into, which I, you know, personally think is really bad practice, and hopefully Joint Commission would would, would agree with that. Um, it's marginal, um, so it it it's really it's really based upon um, you know what the organization is attempting to accomplish, um, as well as the high the high volume areas.
0: Sure, sure. Well, and just the—I mean, it's typically, from my, my experience, environmental services that gets involved in the pickup and the replacement, and and then they forget to put stickers on the right. new bins and all of that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that. I'm sure that that can be improved. Okay, great. All right. Well, Mark, this was great. Welcome to the market. Um, when did you start? Um,
1: well, we we started development of the product uh, quite a while ago. Yeah. Uh, while we had our day jobs uh, yeah uh, I, I was I worked for a variety of different companies that are that are associated with with the pharmacy I spent 10 years at omnicell uh, at one okay. point I was a national VP of sales for those guys and very exciting run building that company up to uh, always competing against pixis and now they're bigger than Pixis, I understand so <laughs> it's a, kind of a kind of a fun ride but um, we really have had the product we, we actually introduced the uh, the commercial version of the product I got it out of development with the with the engineers out of Austin um, at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> so um, you know it's been it's been tough. Uh, you know, as I said, getting getting out there in front of folks, yeah. but it looks like it's opening up quite a bit, and there's certainly a uh, very positive reception on the part of. Uh, the end users uh, as to what we're doing with this once we sit down and we have a discussion about the kind of things that you have asked me during this interview. So uh, we believe it's the wave of the future. Uh, The stuff needs to stop going out in the environment. It stops needing to be accessible to people who will divert it. And we think we have the solution to that.
0: Okay, great. All right, fantastic. Well, I wish you the best on that. And uh, thanks for joining me today and letting us know about this great new technology.
1: Thank you, Terry, and the best to you also. Have a great weekend. you.
0: You too.